You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor Vipolis, and welcome to the Players' Lounge, a new podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina in partnership with Heels for Life, UNC Football's NIL collective created to bring together UNC football players, fans, and businesses. I'm hosting this with my guy and my former teammate, Shaquille Rashad, who is the executive director for Heels for Life. We're joined by UNC wide receiver Antoine Green. Antoine, appreciate you getting on here. For the fans, what do you like to do in your free time when you do have it? Because we know football does take up so much time. In my free time, I, I got so I got two dogs. I got a Frenchie, and then I just got a, a Golden Doodle. So I, I spend most of the time with them. And I'm an animal lover, so that's usually what my free time goes to. I saw that the dogs have. Uh, their own Instagram pages. Yeah. Who who's running those Instagrams? So I, I'm running the Instagrams, and I try to get as much pictures in as possible. And I just got this little camera that I'm using too, so I'll be trying to get them right on there. That's pretty cool. I've always wondered about the people that have like the the Instagrams for their pets and everything because I never know what to do with them. Like I've got <laughs> probably ten friends whose pets follow me on Instagram, and I don't dislike dogs or anything, but I, I don't need my feet yeah, full of everyone's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you, do you get offended if people don't follow your dogs back? Nah, nah, I don't really get offended. I mean, and then it's just basically, I mean, it's just media family that's followed yeah. on there and then this friend stuff like that. That's and the cool. other dog and stuff like that, of course. Yeah, of course. They got to follow yeah. their friends on there. I love yeah, it. Sure. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, one of the things that I was wondering coming into this, because it's always interesting to hear from different people, like, who is your favorite athlete of all time or who are your favorite athletes of all time when you were growing up or maybe even to this day, who do you enjoy watching? Uh, well, of course I enjoy watching on the other side of football. I enjoy watching LeBron and on the side of football, I enjoy watching Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson choices. is a big time one. Yeah. You, would you say you try to, do you just appreciate Calvin Johnson's game or do you watch it trying to like pick things up and try to emulate his game when you're on the field? I think both because he's a, he's a big body receiver and I look at myself as a big body receiver, but I also just appreciate the way he plays the game and just the effort he puts into what goes behind it. And I always like to ask people about the tattoos they have, because I think it's a great way to kind Mm -hmm. of get to know somebody and, I noticed whenever you're playing, you're you're sleeved up on your your left arm. Yeah. What is the significance behind some of the tattoos that you have? All right, so on my on my forearm right here, like I got uh, my city, so it's Rockledge, and that's where I'm from. And then on the other side, I got Roman numerals with like an arrow, and that's my mom's birthday. And then up here, I have it says "No Fear, No Limits" at the bottom, and then there's a rocket with a kid sitting on the sidewalk. And that basically symbolizes, like, I'm from, all right, so I'm from Rockledge, and I'm near the Kennedy Space Center. So as a jet growing up all the time, I would see the rocket go up, and I'd just run outside, whatever, like, however it went down, I'd just run outside just to watch it. And then on the inside, I got, uh, it's a cross with a heartbeat and then a heart, and that just symbolizes faith, hope, and love. Cool. Do you have any plans to get any more tattoos, or is that something yeah, so that's still working? I just, 
Yeah, I just got a uh, I got a tiger on my leg, like right on my thigh, and I want to get a leg sleeve, but it's gonna take some time <laughs> for real. But no, I just got a tiger because I was gonna do a lion, but I was thinking about doing like a safari leg sleeve because I love animals. But that might be I might have to switch it up on that one. I just I, I the amount of tattoos you guys have, I find so impressive. Like I look at it, and I'm like. Ah. Can't do it. I can't do it. And it's not, I don't know if I'm not a needle guy or what. Like, I have no problem getting IVs and shots and everything, but I look mm -hmm. at just the, the visual, the thought of getting a tattoo. I'm like, couldn't be me. Yeah. And I, I think yeah, it's, it's also like, because, go ahead. Once you're like two hours into a tattoo, you just, you're ready yeah. to give up. And then it's like, you just sit up there and he'll probably go over the same spot. And it's just like a, a aching type of pain. Like, I don't like needles either. I really hate them, but what's, I like tattoos. So, what's the most painful one you've got? Because I got one on my shin last August, and I, I came real close to fainting. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the uh, my most recent one, which is on the thigh, and it's like more so on the inside because I don't know what it is, but like that inner thigh is just—it's a different type of pain. It sounds brutal. Yeah, I, I had another one I was going to ask about you know, the dinner and everything you sit down for people. But I kind of want to go back to the Calvin Johnson thing first, because you're, you're saying you want to model your game after him and watch the way he plays and everything, which I think is awesome. But do you want to get to a point where you're getting flat out double teamed like you're a gunner on punt down to the goal line? Like, is that what you <laughs> want to happen to you? I mean, if you ever get to that point, you're clearly doing something right. So That's I wouldn't mind it. I mean, I can't imagine. I remember, like, watching games with Calvin Johnson, and no disrespect to the guys playing now, but people are comparing them to Calvin Johnson. I'm like, no, think back to when Calvin Johnson lines yeah. up at the 12 and puts his hand out. I'm, I'm on the ball, and two DBs are standing across the line of scrimmage room like it's a punt. Like, that, nobody wants no that. <laughs> Nobody's yeah, doing nah, that. Nobody, nobody ever wants that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wouldn't want that, because at that point, you know you're not getting the ball. <laughs> the ball's not coming that way, I at all. <laughs> and if it does, like there's those other two guys won't have jobs the next day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, so back to the one I was about to ask. If you had the ability, anyone, alive or dead, inside of sports or outside of sports, four people you can sit down and have dinner with, who are those four people and why? Uh, I'd say number one, Denzel Washington, because I just – I don't know what it is about that dude, but it's like the way he carries himself and – I feel like the him that you see in movies, it, it doesn't change outside of that. So I like to have a conversation with him. And then uh, two, probably Deion Sanders, just because he's a real confident dude. And I want to see what it's like to just be around him and have that energy around me. Because, I mean, Drake Bly, he close to that too. So it's like, you kind of feel that. But I feel like Deion is like, I don't know. But uh, let me think another dude. You said four, right? Four, yeah. yep, four total. Uh, and I get it if you need to keep the circle small and you only want to do three. Like, I get that. That's okay. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, dang, dang. Probably, I say MLK, too, just to pick his brain because he was obviously going through a hard time. Or not even a hard. Yeah, it was a hard. But he always somehow managed to jog through all of that and still stand up and speak forwards, right? Yeah, I think hard time. I, is I think hard time is justifiable for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a good and diverse group that you're bringing to the table. And I know you have a lot of pride in where you come from, uh, Rockledge, Florida. But if you could live anywhere in the U.S. or anywhere just in the world, where would you live? 
Uh, so anywhere in the world. Me personally, I'll probably go to like a little island or something, like Aruba or something like that. It's a good choice. I, I like I like scenery. Like I love the beach too, because obviously I'm like 15 minutes from the beach, so I, I got to be by some water. I'm a little surprised that you didn't just say that you would come three hours north up the coast of Jacksonville. That's where I'm from, and that's like it's like heaven on earth, is what people call Jacksonville. Actually, you think so? Uh, no, I'll be right. I got to ride through Jacksonville every time I drive back down home. And it's like, I just hit that bridge and then I don't ever think about stopping. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem. You got to, you got to pull in and enjoy the city for a little bit. We'll get yeah, you. I ain't, I ain't never really experienced a city like that yet. So I ain't going to yeah. knock it. I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, I was looking, it looked like in high school, you played a lot of different sports involved in a lot of different things, but I want to stick with football at first. Let's just take receiver off the table. So if you weren't playing receiver, what position would you play in college? And let's pretend you're on a different team. So you're not going to sit here and compete mentally with your teammates. But if you were playing a different position at a different school, what kind of stats would you put up? And what position would it be? So if I was playing the position at a different school, I'd most definitely play safety. Okay. I, played safety I played safety in high school. And I feel like I was personally like that. And if I didn't play receiver, like if I wasn't on the other side of the ball where they needed me, I would have been on defense. That's so, the confidence we like to hear. And the stats I will put up, uh, of course, I have a few INTs in there. But in high school, I was coming down here. I don't know if I could do it at this level. But in high school, I was definitely coming down here and I was here. Okay. So he's yeah. a uh, he, he wants to play in the box a little bit. Get, <laughs> yeah. get physical. Uh -huh. he's, he's roaming all, all around the field. Though. He's ball hawking. Yeah, that's, too, what, that's what I like. And uh, we also saw that you were a, a pretty good sprinter in high school. Mm -hmm. How much of a head start would you need to win the 100-meter dash at the Olympics? So 9.8 was the winning time. Well, Let's test that think. confidence here. Let's test the confidence here. How much of a head start? Yeah, yeah. how much of a head start? Probably like – I said I need at least 15, 15 meters. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I got it like that anymore. I really don't. Because <laughs> you got to think, like, that track conditioning and being in track shape is totally different from football. What was your best 100-meter time? My best 100-meter was, like, a 10-7. But I was more of a 200 guy. I ran, like, a 21-4. Speaking of the 200, how, how about the 200 if, if we back you up? Ooh. 19.6 was the winning time. So how much of a head start do you need there? Let me think. 21.4 minus 19. <laughs> 200, 200 scary. More. That is, it definitely is scary, especially when you're coming off the curb. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to need more than 15 on that one. Because I, mean, I don't know if I can last that last 20 anymore. That's what I'm saying. Like, the 200 really scares me because a sprint for 200 meters. Like, if you're not training and conditioning to do that, yeah. that lasts – probably 30 meters could get ugly. Like, and it you could, were, a, yeah. you were a sprinter down in Florida. So I know you heard the whoop, whoop, what coming down the stretch. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you don't want to hear that. There's no worse yeah. sounds than that. At all, at all. <laughs> I've experienced so many people get hawked down. And it's not, you hate to be in that position. Luckily, I ain't been in that position. So I don't know what it feels like, but it's the worst feeling. I know that. So you've, I, I noticed a little humble brag in there. You've never been in the position, the guy getting run down. Yeah, what? I ain't never been there. <laughs> so you were a pretty good sprinter in high school, you're saying? Yeah, I was, I was pretty decent. But, how do you um, think that uh, – that, how'd that help you out with football coming into UNC? Or even before right. UNC? Yeah, so before UNC, I, I personally 
I don't like track at all. I hated going to practice. I ain't gonna lie to you. But I knew it would benefit me in the long run with like speed, of course. And I did long jump and all of that too. So uh basically I just ran track to help my football speed. And now I knew it'd carry over into college as well. And it, it just forced me to get in shape too. Yeah, a lot of guys used to run to stay in shape and everything. I mm-hmm. I tried the 400 one time. And was, I can't do this. <laughs> this isn't for me. Yeah, see, the 400 <laughs> wasn't for me either at all. And I get thrown in a four by four every now and then. Oh, that that is the worst part of track when you think you're done and the coach comes Mm -hmm. over and it's like, hey, we need one more for that four by four. Because it's always that one person that's just like, I can't do it. And then you got (laughs) to fill in. But that'd be the worst for real. I don't miss those days. (laughs) Oh, that's brutal. Um, So we've talked track. Now we know you played some basketball too in high school. Yeah, I played a little bit. Now, I want to test your confidence in this. We've done the track part. If I put $10 million cash on the line right now for you to make seven out of 10 free throws, if you make seven out of 10, the 10 million cash is yours, you're walking on with it today. Yeah, that's easy. If you make six or less, though, you can never eat meat again. You're vegan for the rest of your life or vegetarian, whichever one it is. I always mess that up. Are you still stepping up to that line? I don't think I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) It was easy 30 seconds ago. (laughs) It was easy 30 seconds ago, but I need There wasn't any consequences on the other I need all of that. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot pass on my meat, and I can't become vegan. I don't even like greens like that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I can't pass on it. What would you say your scouting report was like, uh, the Antoine Green, the basketball player? In high school, uh, so I played – in high school, I played basketball my freshman year, and I went to a Christian academy. And I like to say I was pretty good at it. I, I dunked on three people one time, like, in one game, like, because our point guard, I remember, like, it was yesterday. We had went to Orlando, and our point guard, he had got suspended for whatever reason. But I had to run the point, and I remember just, like, passing the ball, going baseline, and he kicked it back out, and I just pump fake. And I had – it was, dude was, like – he was, like, 6'5", too. And then the other two dudes was just, like, draped on my back. And you know how I went down from there. But I like to say the scouting port would have been like a like – if I had to give myself like a 2K grade or something like that, it'd probably be like a – I'm going to be real myself like a C plus. Okay. I'm going to be Res- real myself. Res- respect the humility. Who would you say from the football team would give you the best game one-on-one? Uh, so I hear a few people are actually pretty decent, but I've only ever played with like like Cam Kelly uh, – I heard Bryson Nez is pretty good. Um, who else? They say Keyshawn pretty good, too, big country. And then uh, who else in the basketball room? Was, I don't think nobody in the basketball not the, not the basketball room, the receiver room. I don't think nobody in the receiver room can really hold me. Yeah, no. Nah. And then speaking, speaking of one-on-ones, but if we're moving it to the football field, if you had to do 10 one-on-ones against Coach Bly – from the 10 yard line going in, how many do you think you would win right now? And then I guess how many would you win in, in Coach Bly's prime? You might tell you right, still so in his prime. <clears throat> I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start in his prime. Uh I'm definitely, I'm definitely above 50% on that. Wow. I feel like Coach Black can't hold me. And he tried to jump in a release drill with me one time before, and that didn't go well. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I hope he's, I hope he see this too. Like, <laughs> the corner, do whatever you got to do to send it to him. <laughs> but yeah, 
right now it's 10 out of 10. If we go from the 10 in, anywhere from the field, it's, it's 10 out of 10. I He's love not that. stealing one rep. Yeah, nah, man. Unless the quarterback just missed me. I love that. I absolutely love it. The 10 out of 10 call now, the, yeah. the over 50% before. That's that's the confidence we need. Yeah. And, and speaking of confidence, it takes a lot of confidence to still be a big time Disney fan. And I saw on Instagram that you were at Disney world just a couple months ago <laughs> yes, as a Floridian myself, I'm a Disney world fanatic. And so I really appreciated that you were there. Yeah. I got to ask you, who's your favorite Disney character? My favorite Disney character. Oh. And everything's wide open here. I'm talking Disney channel, original movies, Disney channel, TV shows, like the yeah. picks, all of it. Oh, uh, I probably have to say, cause you got to think it's a, it's a lot of, it's a big universe. It is. Wow. Uh, one that comes to mind is definitely like Goofy. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah, only because like that was just so funny to me all the time. And I remember like the show, you know the show, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, whatever it was. He would do this little dance. Nah, I ain't finna get up and do it either. <laughs> I, I used to do the dance all the time just to like out with my little brother and all that. So, yeah, I say goofy. All right. This is this one may be a little tough here, but if you had to compare your game to one Disney character, who would it be? My game? Uh, Feel free to get creative here. Obviously, I don't think they're playing too much football in Disney. Damn. I don't really know. It's a tough one. Yeah, that is a tough one. Uh, Big, strong receiver. I mean, Hercules is, is out there for you if you yeah, want he it. he is. He out there. Um, I might have to, yeah, I might have to go with Hercules. He pretty he pretty solid. I like that. That's a good yeah. choice. And speaking of uh, the the dances from the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, you've grown a big following on TikTok. Yeah. You almost have uh, forty thousand followers on TikTok. Don't yeah. don't mean to embarrass you or anything, but if if I was trying to get big on TikTok, kind of like you, what kind of tips would you give us there? Uh, so I basically it's like I feel like the way TikTok is set up, you got to find like a niche and something that works for you. And then once you find it, like for me, of course, it's football because I'm a, I'm a college athlete. So but once you find that niche, just keep it in that range. And then, of course, yeah, I'm a, I got a girlfriend, so they love seeing like couple stuff on TikTok. So I've been I've been sort of posting a little bit of that. And then my girl's posting stuff like that, too. And she got like she just passed like 200 K. So. I ain't even, I ain't nowhere near her level. <laughs> yeah. What's the, uh, what's the TikTok name? We got to get you a shout out here. All right. My tip, it's just, it's just Twan Green, T-O-I-N-E, and then the color green. See, I, I just, I've never had a TikTok. I might need to get into it, I guess. I, I, I think I've to, got. Like before, all right, so when quarantine was like around, like right before quarantine, I used to not TikTok. I was like, man, I'm never going to get on there and do no dances and not look at me. <laughs> No, I'm on there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <Doing> all that, <laughs> all that crazy stuff on there. But no, TikTok's pretty fun. Like, I just like scrolling down, seeing new stuff. So. Yeah, and it seems like there's more going into it. that. That's really cool. Yeah, well, it's, more, yeah. it's more interesting than Instagram to me now. Yeah. Well, that brings us to one of my favorite portions of the podcast, the Grindhouse, um, Grindhouse Supply movie portion of this podcast. Grindhouse is a local apparel company that's brought to you by Tar Heel fans, right? So when you're shopping there, you're buying from some of our own. They're based in Benson, North Carolina. They've helped make this podcast possible. So out of respect for them and what it is they're doing with movie posters, movie apparel, and combinations of the two, 
Antoine, I got to ask you, everyone's got that movie that they can watch on repeat and never get tired of. What's yeah. that movie for you? Uh, all right, so one of my favorite actors, too, outside of Denzel Washington, is uh, Jamie Foxx. Okay. So I'd probably say Django, just because I don't know why. I just love that movie, though. It's so funny. And then another movie I like <laughs> is, uh, what was it called? I forgot. See, I'm not good with, like, movie names. But I just watched Doctor Strange, like, two days ago, and it was pretty good. I like Marvel. I like all Marvel movies. Where, what are you giving Doctor Strange on 0 to 100 right now? For someone that hasn't seen it, we won't go any spoilers. i give it a – I'll probably give it, like, a a 75 just because it – just because what, what's going on in the movie. It's a lot of, like, spiritual stuff in there that I don't, I don't really – <laughs> want to put myself into but it's a lot of stuff that is right in front of people's eyes that you wouldn't even notice honestly wow yeah what about what about if you're going to the movies what's your go-to snack if if the nutritionist isn't going to hear this if you <laughs> drink whatever you want and eat whatever you want when you go to so, the movies so this is what i do before like every game so you know how we go to the movies on that on that friday night thursday night whenever you got your game but i'll go in there i'll grab my popcorn of course popcorn is essential and then I grab some uh, Reese's pieces and I pour all the Reese's pieces into the popcorn. And I just grab me two bottles of water and I'm, I'm there. That's it. That's, I heard that's next level thinking. I heard yeah. the two two bottles of water. You're hydrating up. I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got to. <laughs> got to. <laughs> got to. And going more towards the, the football side of things now, you were a four-star recruit coming out of high school in Florida. What was your recruiting process like, and how did you wind up at Carolina? Yeah, so the, the recruiting process was – it was real It was real busy. Like, it low-key got to the point where – of course, I was enjoying it, but it got to the point where it was, like, kind of stressful because I never been in that position to where I had a lot of people coming at me from different angles. And me personally, like, of course, I wanted to play on the college level, but I didn't even play football in my freshman year. And soon as sophomore year hit, I knew I had the chance to actually go to the next level because I had a few, like, minor offers, like, who was it, Valdosta State, um, Bowling Green, stuff like that. And it kind of, I don't know, but <clears throat> the transition from – college not college high school to college was like it was totally different and then just like the speed of everything but as far as like the office and all of that it was just it was all over the place for me it was like I said it was stressful honestly and then the reason why I chose North Carolina was because I just felt like out of all the places I visited like Georgia um I visited Florida State I've been to Tennessee I've been to um Miami but like out of all those places, I felt most comfortable here. And it was just more of a family atmosphere and people were more like personable. It felt like less business, like the less business area. And North Carolina came along because like I, I remember getting the offer and I would talk to uh, Coach Brewer and Coach Scott like every now and then. But I felt like I never I never seen myself actually coming here when I got the offer. Like I thought I was going to go to like Florida State, Georgia, something like that or Tennessee. And then just like they just kept dropping seeds, playing seeds in my in my head, and then it eventually came along. And I seen what type of dude that Cozy Brewer was, and Coach Scott, and they just and then Chaplin Mitch came in, and then that's what really like just wrapped everything up because nobody else was actually coming at me like that or actually 
show interest as much as they did. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You mentioned you, you mentioned a bunch of my guys. Mitch, mm-hmm. Coach Brewer, my former receiver coach yeah. at UNC. How big was it for you, that recruiting class that was coming in at the time? Because, you know, they, they did have a down year in, in 2017, but the excitement was starting to come back with that recruiting class where it was you, it was Deami Brown. It was somebody like Jordan Adams who never even made it to Carolina, but it felt like that was one of the classes that was starting to get that excitement back into Carolina football. Yeah, it was definitely uh, like, I definitely look forward to it. Like I remember just coming up on a visit and everything and it was all, it was all hyped up and it was fun. And of course, looking back at like the season they had before that, that didn't really, of course, it played a role in like being recruited and all that. And I looked at that and took that into account. But I didn't really, I like, I like going into stuff where people are building, where programs are building. And instead of just being on top of the world already, I want to have something to work for, you know? Yeah, that's cool, man. And I, I remember that 2018 season, your freshman year. Like, I remember you kind of see that you're trying to start to figure out the difference between the games and you would come from competitive part of florida so you knew yeah. what it was like to go against those guys but i i don't want to bring up bad memories but i remember it out yeah, at cuse yeah. out at cuse yeah. you know where you're starting to hit your stride and the injury comes along like what do you remember about that and just that time did you feel like you were coming in your own and then you got hurt and kind of slowed you down a little bit yeah so the timeline with all that like i remember i because i wasn't i wasn't even the best practice player at that moment too and i remember fedora was like well, shoot, I guess this guy's a game type of kid because I wasn't – I drop balls in practice. I do all of that. And <clears throat> basically, like, so it was all tough, honestly, and I, I didn't even think I was going to be in that game for real. And then the night before, like, one of my closest friends from my childhood, he had passed away. So my mind wasn't really there, and then I got thrown in the game, and I'm just like, I just got to lock in. So then I caught, like, two – I caught a curl, and then I caught, like, a go ball. And I felt like fans just started rolling for me because games prior to that, I didn't do nothing. I was a freshman. Yeah. And I just felt like things started going well. And then, obviously, the injury happened. And I don't want to play on that field again. I'm going to keep it real. But if I got to, I will. But uh, when it happened, it was just like I felt the pain and I felt like everything, how it happened and which way my leg was facing, all of that. But – yeah, but uh, one thing I remember was Fedora and Mitch standing over me. I couldn't feel the pain in the moment. I ain't feel it until I got back to the locker room because that adrenaline. But I remember them two standing over me and, of course, being carted off the field. It was a, it was a terrible feeling. 
especially with everything that was going on, like, prior to the game. Yeah. So, I mean, I look back at it, though, and it's like it definitely changed a lot for me because seasons following that, like, the season after that, I came back, started the first two games, pulled my groin because my body wasn't in the best shape. And coming back from that, like, I didn't I didn't take care of my body. I wasn't eating right in the offseason. After I broke my leg, I was just, like, I was in a hole. Like, I felt like I was in a hole mentally and physically. And I was just, like, school wasn't it, all of that. Everything was just out the window for me. And I was just going day by day, just being stressed out. But uh, what climbed me out of that hole was I started basically just taking things day by day and just keeping my head down and working. And that's when I started getting into, like, God and all that, too. Of course, I, I grew up in the church as a kid. I had all that. But I never really understood the importance behind it. And then the 2020 season following uh, my sophomore year, obviously I didn't I didn't play much. And then I came out I came out to the Orange Bowl when Diami and uh, all of them had opted out, and then didn't play the best there either. So I was just like, dang. And then I felt like that offseason was just a a season of rebuilding basically, and just getting my mental back right and just putting me back in a, a healthy space. So. That offseason from the 2020 season up into last season, that's what really helped me out the most. Yeah. And did you get to um, – because I'm trying to think when it would have been because it felt like it's been kind of choppy with injuries, like you're saying, mixed in. Yeah. Did you have a welcome to college football moment, like a moment where you're like, oh, boy, I'm here. <laughs> Everything's different now. No more running. <laughs> yeah, I came up from this one. Uh, so I remember we went down to Miami, and I always knew this uh, – Stigma that was on Miami DBs and all that, and how Miami just a raw, raw team. So I remember going down there and I'm on this sideline, and I'm like, I'm happy as hell. I'm in the game. I'm like, yeah. So I'm <laughs> out there and I'm lined up. And I remember doing name too. His name was Michael Jackson, big swole dude. I remember him. He, yeah. <laughs> He's standing right across from me. And I'm like, all right, say less. And then I, I make a little release. I start running, and then my shoulder was open. So he just took his left hand and then rushed me like all the way on their sideline. I'm just, I'm like, I'm looking up. I'm like, wow. And I got like Miami dudes over me. That's right. I'm like, I'm like, bro, I can never let that happen again. Then I came back. I think it was like the next play. And then I ran like a stutter comeback. I only got three yards because I had ran all the way back down to the, uh, to the side, not the sideline, the line of scrimmage just to catch yeah. the ball. But I feel like I ran a decent route. So I feel like I got mine's back. There, there isn't a worse sideline to get caught up on Ever. in college That's football. <laughs> you got a barrel roll out of there. Just get That's out. That's what I'm saying. I, I got out as fast as I could, man. <laughs> I ain't had no other choice. I couldn't do that. I couldn't argue with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got embarrassed. I couldn't argue. I had nothing to say. Yeah. I got up and went right back on the field. Uh, I want to go back to after you got hurt because I think that's something that fans – Fans don't really see the the rehab process. They just see yeah. player gets hurt, player comes back, player starts doing well again. And I remember when when I tore my ACL my senior year, just like how isolating that was being away from mm -hmm. the team and trying to attack the rehab process every day with like a, a positive mindset. How yeah. hard was the rehab process for you and coming back from that mentally? Uh, it was definitely it was definitely pretty tough because I lost a lot of mobility in my in my ankle and all of that. So it was like I go in, of course, every day, do as much as I could. But just being away from the team and all that, too, is like it was pretty tough. And then already like I'm a 
I'm I'm an extrovert, but I'm an introvert at the same time. I don't like doing much and I don't really say much to people. Like, and it's not not that I don't like people or nothing like that. I just don't really speak much. And <clears throat> being pushed away and then being like not really pushed away, but being injured put me in this place to where I can do everything that I was doing, like just conversation and all that, and just being around the team. But um it was definitely tough. And I remember one moment where uh it really didn't hit me until I, I took off the hard cast. So I remember going to the doctor's office and Lou was there and they were cutting off the hard cast. And that's when I actually like seen the the damage that was done and how skinny my leg was. And I just remember like riding back home and I, that's really what changed my perspective on a lot too and what kind of shot my confidence a little bit because I knew it was going to be hard to come back from that because I never had suffered an injury like that before. Like I sprained my ankle before. That ain't really nothing. But having that type of injury and then getting surgery on top of that, it wasn't it wasn't easy to come back from. But I think it was the hardest part was the mental aspect of it. And then even to this day, like I don't think about it when I'm on the field. But I can still feel like I can still feel the play in my leg. It's just little stuff that's always gonna be there. And then the mo- the mobility is still not the same. Like it's never gonna be the same. But it's just little stuff like that that's kind of sticks with me but I don't really pay too much attention to it no more what's that process like like that's the thing that you've talked about a little bit here and I realize a lot of people have never gotten to hear about you know you you're watching a game you see a player get hurt and then 10 months later you see him back on the field what's it like like regaining that confidence like I'm not asking you to take us through like your rehab protocol but like from the day you get carted off that field to the day people see you back again out there what goes into it uh yeah so your mindset, like, after you get hurt, like, your mindset changes a lot, and you start questioning a lot as well. And, of course, from the outside looking in, people will think that you'll come back, like, 100%. Once you help you, help you. But you'll never know until that actually happens to you. So, basically, what went into it for me was a lot of, of course, a lot of rehab. That's a given. But a lot of mental work as well. Like, I remember um, just having conversations with – just having conversations with Mitch just going to his office and all of that. He would tell me, like, he'll give me, like, words of affirmation just about the type of player I was before I got hurt and the type of player that I still am. And that definitely carried me a long way. And uh, I'd say, like, basically just, I mean, yeah, just having having people in my ear and having people in my corner, like my mom and just friends, like my roommates at the time as well. And I remember, like, because Trey, it was Trey, Chris, uh, and Gavin. That's who I had in my roommates at the time. And when I got injured, they would run downstairs, just help me out. And like anytime I wanted to Uber eat something, they was down there just grabbing it for me and little stuff like that. But it was like a lot of mental preparation and just, I don't know, it was a lot that went into it. Yeah, it's like the the parts that are always crazy is like here you are one day you're competing at this crazy high level against some of the best in the world of what you do. And then 48 hours later, you know, you're in surgery and then a day or two after that, you're learning to use the muscle again. And you're supposed to think, how do I get back to the stage where I'm playing out there on Saturdays at this really Mm -hmm. high level when right now, you know, I need three people to help me go take a shower. And so it's it's a weird process you have to go through. And then the whole mental side of it's totally different. Like you yeah. have to learn to trust that leg again. And I think sometimes the soft tissue stuff is the scariest. Cause like yeah. when you're just running and you just randomly pull a hamstring, the next time you're out there running, you're like, I don't know if it's yeah, going to go happens. again. Like exactly. this could happen. <laughs> this could happen whenever. 
Yeah, I, I done pulled my hamstring before, too. That's not a – it ain't no good feeling at all. You get back out there and you're trying to ease up on everything. But, yeah. like, even with, even with my leg, I remember just – I put – like, even now I catch myself standing straight up, but I'll put more pressure on my left leg because that's the, the leg I didn't hurt. So I, I try to adjust to that and put more pressure on my right leg because that's how I used to be. But now it's just, like, just riding around on the scooter for so long, it kind of changes stuff. And then you get used to, like, you just get hit to the movement that you was doing. Yeah. And I remember it was multiple times where, like, that scooter wasn't even really it for me. <laughs> I, <laughs> so check this out. I remember coming out the elevator. I forgot who was – I think it was Chris behind me. But I'm coming out the elevator, and I'm just rolling. And the elevator started closing, and it caught, like, the handlebar on the scooter, and I'm just falling forward. And I caught myself with my hands, and Buddy had my legs, and I'm just like – Come on, man. I was like, after that, I'm going straight home. Give me some crutches. Give me my yeah, crutches. Exactly. I'm going to just go cool for a little bit. Y'all can give me crutches. And I remember I was riding down. Um, so y'all know the hill that goes to like Rams 3 when you're riding from the stadium. Yep. So I was riding down that hill. And I had on, of course, I was wearing one shoe. And so I had on the Yeezy. And I, this still made me mad to this day. But uh, I was riding down and my brace wasn't working. So I'm like, uh, wow. And here I am just dragging my foot down the whole road. I'm like, bro, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so the soles of the shoe is just totally different. I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get rid of these shoes. But <laughs> that don't scary too because I'm thinking I'm going to fall again. But That's yeah, rough. It's a, it's a lot of – through that process, it was definitely – I felt like I lost a lot. But at the same time, I gained a lot because it definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things and helped me build character. Yeah. That, that first moment where you start to see some of the validation um, come from the rehab process, you score your first touchdown in 2019 at Virginia Tech when you do get back on the field. What was that moment kind of like for you? Uh, it was definitely a, a great moment. And I just remember like hearing from my family and my mom and all that, them telling me how proud of, how proud of me they are. And it was just like, it was surreal, honestly, because obviously I hadn't scored yet. And scoring in Virginia Tech, like, that's a that's a big stadium, too. So I'm just looking up, and I remember the ball flowing in the air, and I'm just like, bro, I'm in the middle of the field. I'm like, not drop this. <laughs> and then I caught and started running. But it was definitely a good moment, and it'll stay with me forever, honestly. Those are almost the worst ones when you have, like, 20 yards of separation yeah. on the defender, and you're like – if I catch this, I'm gone. But yeah, if I don't, like, if I don't, it's a long walk back. Uh-huh. It really is. And I just like in the uh the pit game last year, I had just gave Buddy a little release off the line and he fell. Like I had swatted his arm down, he fell. I'm running down the sideline. I'm like, bro, there's no way I'm this open right now. <laughs> so I'm just running. <laughs> and I'm like, my only the only thing in my head is don't drop the ball. And I wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking like I was gonna drop it because of course I, I had confidence and all that. But it's just like when you in that moment, everything felt like it slowed down. And it was just, I mean, that was a good game for me. But of course, I wish we would have won. I guess from there, what I would ask Antoine is like looking back at last season, we talked about some of the games, but like mm-hmm. top 10 heading into the season, everyone's excited. And then end up not landing there, right? Not finishing how you thought you would. Like, what do you think, if you could point to a couple things, like we're kind of the disconnect, I guess, last year. And then how do you learn from that going into next season to make sure it doesn't happen again? Yeah, um, I think the 
I think a disconnect and all of that was not just the chemistry between everybody, but honestly, I I, don't, I really don't know because I feel like everything was straight. Like working up into the first game, like going into Virginia Tech, I felt like we all we all had confidence. It was just players being developed and actually getting a feel for the game. Because like me, I didn't have I had a feel for the game, but at the same time, I didn't because I haven't had a season where I was just game this week game this week and I'm playing each game like consistently but I think it was just I think it was that and just experience for real what what do you think you learned from it and how how do you think this year could be different uh so me personally I know I've adjusted to not only just the speed of the game but like the mental part so what's what could be differently for like what could happen different this year for me is I say just still like playing faster and just knowing what's on the other side of the ball, like whether it's coverage or little stuff like that. Like once you in the game for a long time, you pay attention to certain keys that's out there and what could actually help you. And I say that's what just having that experience and having that year behind me now, like I got something to look back on and actually grow from instead of just having a lay of foundation that I didn't have, you know. Very cool. What was it? Um, I've talked to a lot of people. Um, obviously got to watch him operate and everything. But what was it like playing with Sam Howell? He just got drafted a little bit later than most of us would have expected. That's yeah. an absolute steal for Washington. I think we can all agree on that. But mm-hmm. what was it like playing with that guy for a couple of years? Uh, it was fun. I loved uh, the arm talent he he really had because I ain't ever played with a quarterback like that. Yeah. My my quarterback in high school was a running back and he just he, <laughs> he was at Florida State that's what I'm saying so I ain't never played on a quarterback like that and just playing next to him was, it was always fun because I remember just blocking I'm like oh he about to get tackled I'm gonna get ready for the next play he's spinning I'm like what the hell going on <laughs> I'm like what but it was definitely fun watching him yeah. playing alongside him because I remember Georgia State he threw the ball like 60 yards through the air and I'm like bro like, when is this ball coming down? Like, I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> and I had caught it. And it was just – it was fun. I wish we could have won more games for him. But it was definitely fun. Some of those throws, I remember watching. It was like – even his true freshman year, you'd watch him. Like, that's a, that's a yeah. throw the guys make on Sundays. That's not a yeah, Saturday throw. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. When he, when he starts to get in that, like, scramble mode, how do you prepare to play for a quarterback like that where he is able to make something out of a broken play? Mm-hmm. So when he started getting the scramble mode, I caught myself a few times last season, like just guessing on whether I should block or whether I should try to get open because I know he gonna he can use his feet too. But I guess it depends on like how we're like how close the defenders are to him and whether I can get open off of the sideline. Because like if he's scrambling to the boundary, I'm like I'm stuck in the boundary. It's not really much I can do. So I guess it depends on all that. But if I turn and block, he just he gonna run. If I try to get open, I might pull the defender out there with me, and he can still run. So yeah. whether it, whatever happens, happens. And then the the storyline going into this season, it will be on you know who's his replacement, big shoes to fill for whoever it is. You've worked yeah. with both Jacoby Criswell and Drake May this this past spring. What's it like playing with them, and any differences between the two, and then between somebody like Sam Howell? Uh, I mean, they're both they're both very great players, and <clears throat> I think they all have similarities just as, like, a quarterback. They all got arm talent. They all know how to run. They all got speed. And I've never played with, like, a, a slow quarterback. 
And of course, that's not what you see really coming up. And to this day, you don't really see too many slow quarterbacks now. And Drake, he tall and long. Jacoby, he not as tall, but they both got the same arm strength. And they're both definitely coming a long way since when they first got on campus. So you've seen a lot of things now. You're talking about – it's funny to start to hear, guys, that like when I was at UNC coaching, like you were a true freshman, right? And now you're like yeah. talking about what you've seen since guys have come on campus and everything. Like yeah. you're the old guy on the block now, fifth-year senior. <laughs> you're, you're the old guy on the block. You start to get nicknames like CEO and OG and old head now. Got JJ calling me an old man. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those jokes come quick, man, and they hurt. Yeah. <laughs> But what's it? What's the mentality going into the season in that spot now with the young guys like JJ calling you old man? Like, what more responsibility do you feel or different? Maybe not more. Yeah. So I mean, what I felt as different, of course, I felt to last year too because I was a senior, but I wasn't like the, the super senior because you know we had fifth years last right. year as well. But I mean, I feel like I'm being looked up to more, and I need to take on a more like more of a leadership role. I, one thing about me, I'm not I'm not as vocal as other people. And I'll lead by example, but not everybody pay attention to that all the time. So I need to start walking into this leadership world where I can actually speak and people listen. Because when I do speak, I feel like people tend to listen because I don't speak much already. And then outside of you and Josh Downs, it's it's a fairly young and inexperienced wide receiver room. Who would be your pick to be the player that has a breakout type season this year? Like we've seen in the past with you coming onto the scene big time last year with over 600 yards, uh, Josh Downs two years ago, having that kind of breakout year, who would be your pick for this year? Uh, honestly, I, I have no clue. Cause we got a lot of great kids. Like you got, you got Justin, you got JJ and all of us, we balling in practice, like Gavin, all of us doing stuff. And, <clears throat> of course, you got Josh in the slide and all that. So it's going to be the dude on the outside. And you got Nesbitt out there, too, who is a great receiver as well. He can go back and forth. But, um, yeah, I really think it's up in the air. Like, even with me last year, it was kind of up in the air because it was me, Emery, Justin, Chaffrey, Bo, and it was just like nobody knew what was going to happen. Like, nobody had anything guaranteed. And... I don't think nothing's guaranteed. Like, I can go into this year and have a, a year that I had times two, or it can be the same. Like, you never know. But we'll see what we'll see what happens then. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, we're excited to watch it, man. I appreciate you jumping on with us here today. Um, sure. Everyone that's listening, thanks for tuning in with us. Uh, please keep continuing to join and sign up with Heels for Life on the website at heelsforlife.org with the number four so we can keep doing things like this, getting to know the players on the team and helping them find some NIL opportunities to come do it. So appreciate everyone here and, and hope you, uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Antoine, appreciate the time, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. all